0: Welcome to the show. My name is Johnny Ball. This is Speaking Influence, the show that helps you build professional authority and become a powerfully persuasive communicator. And until the end of June 2022, at least, the show will remain Speaking Influence. And then it's going to become, from the 1st of July onwards, Podfluence, where we are going to be much more focused on building influence and authority and still being powerfully persuasive communicators, but utilizing the platform of podcasting to do so. So I do hope you'll stay with us through that transition and look forward to some of the incredible guests that I have coming up for you, such as Ginny Carter talking about how to write your business book, and Simon Lancaster talking about his new book, Connect, which is all about how to inspire, influence, and energize anyone, anywhere, anytime, which is super important. And this kind of stuff I love talking about is a great conversation. Some of you may have even joined us for the live event that we just had for that. So this week, we are talking with Lily Petrescu, and Lily is helping people to publish their books. And so if you are interested in self-publishing or just want some help getting your book published, Lily is really the person to speak to. She has some really great advice and pointers on doing this, and she has done this for herself. She has gone from becoming a nanny to becoming a multi-figure, best-selling author and also helping other people to do the same. And she's very big on networking. And helping other people to build their influence and authority. So, we get on to talking about that too. It's a fascinating conversation. You're going to learn a lot from Lily. I certainly did. So, I'll shut up now and leave you to enjoy the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. <laughs> Welcome to the show. And today I'm very happy to be getting onto a theme that I love because I think one of the best things anyone can do for influence is to write their own book. You've heard it said many times on the show before, if you've tuned in, I think the first person who ever said it on the show was Daniel Priestley, when he was talking about how you need to become a key person of influence. And Today, I'm speaking with someone who is helping people to write their books and build their authority in that way. Her name is Lily Petrescu. Welcome to the show, Lily.
1: Thank you so much, Johnny, for inviting me on your amazing podcast. I look forward to having an amazing uh, interview
0: well it's, it's going to be a, hopefully just a fun chat and so i really want to talk to you about about books for influence and and really about what it is you're doing because your your setup and, and the things you're doing to help people is incredible and what i've seen from what you do just looks amazing and i think people are going to love hearing about it and certainly anyone who wants to build their influence in the professional world is going to want to know more about you for sure so stay tuned for more of this information from lily but i'm going to start off by Asking you what I ask all my guests at the start of the show who is someone for you who you look up to, respect, and admire for their influence and their persuasion and how they've used it?
1: Great question. My favorite person who has influenced thousands of people is Arman Morin. He's my marketing coach and he has sold over $200 million online. And the reason why I admire him is because he has managed through persuasion and influencing skills to speak to thousands of people on worldwide stages and even to close almost a million dollars in a single event in London. And this is not something I've I've managed to do. So I have great admiration for uh, his skills. And not only that, it's not only about influencing and persuasion, but it's about being nice about it as well. So while he's doing it, he's funny and humorous and and he gets you to like him and you feel like you want to be his best friend. And I think that's really amazing.
0: That, that's a certainly very powerful form of influence and someone had a big impact on you as well and many other people. So a great answer. And so I want to find out from you why the focus on books for you particularly? Is it because you're an avid reader? Is it because you like writing lots of books? What is it that has drawn you to working on this?
1: Great question. Nine years ago, I was a nanny and previously had come from Romania with a hundred euros in my pocket and two suitcases full of hopes and dreams and a big dream that I was going to make it in London. And I came to work as an au pair. Now, at the time, it really felt like it was my time now to explore, to experience, to have fun, to travel. And nine years later, I realized I had done a lot of things, but it really felt like I had done nothing. And it was in that moment that I decided I'm going to publish my first book, which was called Meet the Nanny. And it was that book that enabled me to become a magnet for opportunities, a magnet for people, and something that opened huge doors for me in terms of career, in terms of speaking internationally, and it was that door that enabled me to start managing a property business that I led from 420000 a year to 642000 a year with the same number of properties. And it was without experience even, right? Without ever working in the corporate field, without working in, in, in property previously, it was just because of my passion and also this ability that I didn't know I had which was the ability to turn ordinary things into extraordinary things and later on i realized through publishing a book that i have the skill to do that for anything for people as well so with a book i realized later on that you can you can turn ordinary people into extraordinary people through publishing the book. Because then what happens is that you attract the right people to you, you attract the right tribe, you start living the life you really desire, you start traveling, you meet amazing people, you go to dinner with amazing people, and you get invited to amazing opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise have. And you have celebrities speaking at your event, and that's what I managed to do. And years later, Just since March 2020 until now, we managed to have a reach of a million people on social media and Facebook. And I've turned into a micro-influencer with over 128,000 followers as well across my social media channels. And this is just my first step to empower 100 million people to be happier, to go after what they want, to share their stories and to create wealth through books that transform the world. Now, I never knew that this was my calling. And now I know this is what I was meant to come to the world, to do, to that's help great. people, to share their voice, to impact more people, to increase their influence so that they can get a lot more of what they truly desire.
0: Fantastic. Well, that's a, a wonderful mission to be on and I'm happy to be a part of helping you spread that mission out into the world even further. Let me ask you this. I mean. I wonder just from hearing your backstory, whether there are any of the things that you learned in your experience, working as a nanny and writing about that, that you have brought with you to what you do now in terms of, I guess, nannying people through to having their books come through. Are there any, uh, skills or crossover things that you notice? Oh, that's very similar.
1: Yes. The most important thing I learned is. How do you deal with amazing people like you? And the answer is in an absolutely extraordinary way. I'll give you an example. When I used to go to work as a nanny or as an au pair, every single day I would wonder, what can I do better today? And I take this philosophy philosophy everywhere I go, including with the books, with speaking worldwide, with anything that I do. I always think about, how can I optimize? How can I be better? How can I be more more friendly? How can I be warmer to the people that I meet? And I'm talking about every single person. For example, I now live in this luxury building and there are concierges everywhere, and I make a point of knowing every single person's name, and I say hello," and I'm very kind to everyone. If I go to a cafeteria, I do the same thing. If I go to a, ta- a taxi driver, I do the same thing. So it's all about nannying in a way, looking after the people around me in a way that I share the best that I possibly have and never dismiss anyone. This is really critical. Never dismiss anyone because a person who is living on the street or is uh, working in a cafeteria could be, you know, could be a singer tomorrow, could be a multimillionaire, could be anything that they desire tomorrow or in a few years. So never dismiss anyone. The third that, thing that I learned is true. being excellent. Because I used to work for these really high profile people. And I was living with them in some of the, the jobs that I had. And they were so organized. And I learned how to do that in my own business and in my own life. So labeling everything, or like even uh, organizing everything by color. And that gives me such a level of satisfaction to know that having that level of excellence in my life, because this is how truly wealthy people live. Right.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective and philosophy because it, it's really not this is just for the elite or the people who are at the top of the game this is for anyone who has the will to go and that could be anyone and that could be someone who's really down and out on their luck right now that fortunes can shift very quickly and uh, and you just don't know what's within somebody that could just be amazing or even life-changing for other people and for themselves too I I love all of that, Lily. And I want to ask you, when it came to writing your first book, did you have a few clues about how to do that? Or did you get help to do that? Or was it really just, uh, right, I'm just going to write this and get it out there?
1: So I went to the tube station and I found this uh, book, which was called How to Write and Publish Your Own Ebook," And I followed it. And I can tell you, I am not a technical person. In fact, I'm a technophobe. So, and I didn't have any assistance. I, I mean, I was struggling like mad and uh, it took me one um, month to write it. It took me another month to find the graphics and the, the, the cover. And it took me another month to edit it pro- properly and so on, I to find an editor, the right editor, and finally to learn how to publish it. So I did all myself. And I can tell you, I pretty much pulled hair by hair trying to do this because It was so difficult to do it by myself. And now knowing what I know now, it's just so amazing that I'm able to take all this pain away from people. And within six to 12 hours of their time, I can extract the best information. And it's almost like I help them to find Wally. If you're familiar with the coloring book that is called, uh, I think it's called Find Wally or something. And how it works is there's these uh, series of, I mean, thousands of little people and then you have to find a particular creature, and his name is Wally. And this is what I do. It's almost like I find the one thing that's the most important thing that comes from you, and then that becomes your everything. So your one thing becomes your everything. And then your everything becomes your one thing as well. So what I mean by that is that through, uh, you know, from all of these amazing ideas and expertise and passions and everything that you have, I look at the words that you say, and there will be certain words that will uh, resonate with me and I'll think, oh yeah, there's a demand for this and you know all about this and you're passionate about this. Okay, let's turn this into this, this thing, right? Into, into this message. And then that message, you can add another phrase to it and that becomes your course, your workshop, your TEDx speech, your game, your board game, your, I don't know, you can turn so many, you can turn it into so many different things. So the idea is that it's not just a book, it's a book that can be turned into multiple streams of creativity or multiple streams of income. And the most exciting thing is that you put down your knowledge on paper and the minute you do that, you realize, oh my God, I have so much more to share.
0: So you are kind of turning it into an ecosystem really like a business ecosystem. And I see many people do this. I, I I work and learn from some amazing people in the industry and people that many would have heard of, maybe you have as well, people like Taki Moore, people like Chris Ducker, um, who I just spent a whole day training with yesterday. It was amazing. Um, these are people who are very much on that ecosystem kind of thing. They'll have the book, they'll have the program, they'll have the podcast. They'll have all sorts of other content out there and the community that you can be a part of and uh, some of it's free, some, some of it's paid, but there's a whole load more than just one book or one course or one talk <laughs> like there, There's a whole ecosystem around that. And I love that. I think it's, it's so important. It uh, feels like community. It's the chance to connect on all these different levels and really absorb the knowledge, information, and even the values that that, uh, are in those communities.
1: Yes, and I actually think there's something extra that I'm not sure a a lot of people focus on, which is designing your ideal lifestyle around it. So for example, let's say you are not a very um, extroverted person. Let's say you don't like answering lots of messages. Perhaps creating a Facebook group Isn't for you, or you can find someone to manage it, right? Uh, Because you don't have to do absolutely everything that everyone else is doing. You have to do what is right for you. So, this is why every time I start a book, I say, okay, what is your ideal lifestyle? What is your ideal objective? What is your intention? And we go backwards from there. So, we can see because there are some people, like, for example, women who have had um, a child recently, for example, or there are men who just prefer to work five hours a week. And I have actually met someone who uh, years ago, no, three years ago, I recommended him to the, you know, the marketing coach that I was telling you about. And then you know he studied everything, he implemented everything, and now he's making over 50K per month, working only five hours per week, only one hour a wow. day, following the marketing coach program and also following the Tim Ferriss formula of the four-hour work week. So there are people who really desire to just spend 40, 60 hours, 80 hours a week, doing all these courses and online courses and all these bazillion things. And there are other people who prefer to prioritize their family or to have time off or to travel or whatever it is. So it's really critical that you establish from the very beginning what works for you. And then you reverse engineer to make everything work for you
0: yeah i think there's an an important thing to bring up here and it's something that came up for me this week when somebody messaged me on he was on linkedin a lady called karen messaged me on linkedin i'm sure she won't mind me saying it. i think she tunes into the show sometimes as well and what it was was really about how it is that we tend to think we have to do everything be everywhere do everything and kind of all at once and many of us i think especially many new entrepreneurs or people who, especially since COVID and things have decided to start going their own way, maybe they've lost jobs or decided that the nine to five wasn't for them anymore. And and they're starting down a new path as solopreneurs that they're thinking about having a book, they're thinking about having these courses and programs and they're setting all of that up, but trying to do everything all at the same time and breaking their backs in doing it. And that's clearly not a great way of doing it, but I understand why. Because people want to go as fast as they can and people see that other people who are a bit more, what they don't see is people who are further along in their journey who have built this stuff up. In terms of that, what are the things that you think are most important to start with then rather than trying to take everything on at once?
1: It's really critical to focus on what you really want to do. And of course, in the beginning, you don't have an income. You need to think creatively, but you still need to figure out, okay, what is my ideal situation how many hours do I want to work per week what is my ideal way of coaching for example there are people that just prefer to have a group coaching there are other people that prefer to do one-to-ones for example for me I'm an introvert and I hide it very well but what's what's happening is that because I'm an introvert then I like to limit the time that people have access to me so I only message them in whatsapp or email unlimited because this is you know, this is uh, what I like to do, right? I like to write so that if people need feedback, I'm, I'm uh, available pretty much all the time to give them feedback on their book or whatever, but this is my preferred way of communication. Now, there are people that prefer to hear stuff and there are people that prefer to to have a more like one-to-one physical, um, in, in-person communication. So based on that, you need to figure out what is it that you prefer first and then you reverse engineer how an ideal thing looks for you. And then what you will discover that is that there are so many different ways for you to leverage other people's time, money, and experience in a way that you can do what you desire. And I'll give you an example. One thing that I, I, I did, which was also through uh, reading the Tim Ferriss book, The 4-Hour Workweek, And that was actually when I was a nanny, that was more than nine years ago. So what I did is I immediately hired a cleaner. Now it does not make sense to have a nanny who already cleans someone else's house and, you know, looks after the children and does (laughs) housekeeping and cooking and whatever to have someone else clean your own house. But I did have someone, I hired someone eight hours a week to do that for me so that when I got home, I would have already the house in order, everything ordered by color so that any free time that I had was available for tennis or doing things that were pleasuring me, right? Things that I really yeah. liked. So it, it sounds counterintuitive, but it worked for me like magic. That allowed no, no. me the time to write the book. And that person was okay. also doing the shopping, um, ironing, and sometimes very light cooking as well. And- <laughs>
0: Great. <laughs> I'd love to have a full-time housekeeper. No, we did hire a cleaner for, for very similar reasons. Mainly because I said, you know, w- without that, it, we had to have half a day at the weekends to clean our home, and and I said I don't want to do that. I wanted to have quality time, just relaxing and resting at home. We work hard enough in the week, and so we got someone to come and do that in the week. And, and frankly, she does a better job of it than we can. So i <laughs> would rather have some somebody professional come in and do that. But you know, at some point, probably going to. And get her or someone else to come in and use you it know, more hours because it's say it's all stuff that saves time for you like time is money in this regard you can be putting into other things but also that balance that quality time stuff is super important i do want to come back to one thing that you said earlier if that's okay because you said about how good you are at helping people find that one thing and i and i bet that there could be people listening to this thinking i have no idea what I would write about. Uh, I work sometimes with coaches who don't even know what they want to specialize in or niche their services in, and that's a real problem. But it's definitely a big problem when it comes to writing books as well. How can people start to figure out what they could write a book about if they don't know at the moment?
1: Great question. The very first thing is to make a massive list. What is it that you know a lot about? Then another list of what are you passionate about? and another list of what do you think is in demand around all of this. And then at some point you're going to notice there are some things that appear in the three lists. So you're going to start to narrow down some things that will keep appearing and that will be your clue. And as you're doing that look on Amazon, are there hundreds of books on the topic? And a lot of people will go, well, there's a lot of people who have already written about that. That means why should I also write about that? And actually. That is a clue there is a big demand. There's a lot of stuff written about that. That is a clue. You can also write about it because people want to know about it. That's why there are thousands of cooking books. And the number one topic people want to read about on the internet is cooking and Excel. How to to use Excel. These are the top courses, cooking and Excel, right? So don't think that just because it's a very basic topic that you cannot write about it right? I Mm. actually know someone who had at some point 140,000 students for a course on Udemy that was about cooking, about Indian cooking without oil or whatever. So any topic that uh, you are passionate about, that you, you love, that you know a lot about, and that you see there's a lot of demand on it as well, you can also check on Google. In Google, there is a tool which is called Google Keyword Planner. I think a lot of you might already know about it. You type Uh, the keyword that you are looking for so for example cooking or whatever and you're going to see how many people are searching for that topic in a certain area so you can look how many people are searching for that in the world how many people are looking for that in london how many people so you can target it based on your area and then you can see wow there are certain topics actually that have a hundred thousand searches a day there are other topics that are ten thousand a day and there are others that are you know or, or not a day but a month right for example at some point i think bitcoin was about a million searches a month just in london so you need to look at what is in really high demand and that gives you a clue that it's a good topic and then if you can comfortably talk about it that's great now what holds a lot of people back is the fact that they think they're not an expert and i think that i'm i can include myself in that category for many years i also I had self-confidence uh, issues and I thought, well, who am I really to talk about this? But if you look at the facts, then you can really see if you had, if you've achieved something in that area, then you can write about that topic. Because there will be mm. thousands of people who don't know what you know.
0: And inevitably, they know probably no less than you do. Uh, this, this is always an interesting thing because, yeah, I think we, imposter syndrome can kick in for anybody. And it's a very, very common thing. Like, who am I to be calling myself an expert? But. It's very hard to actually define what an expert is. But How how do we know? How do we know that somebody is really an expert? Do they have to have a a doctorate? Do they have to have read all these books? Do they have to have 50 years of experience in working in a particular area? How do we define how someone is an expert in anything? Well, it's just very tough. So maybe we don't need to worry about that so much. If we have some knowledge, we can share it. And because it may not be the best knowledge, other people might know more than you, but the chances are, you know, more than most people, especially on the things that you are interested or experienced in already, even if you don't consider yourself to be at the top of the pile with that or the absolute master of it. So yeah, it's very easy to talk ourselves out of doing these things because we don't think we're important or, or qualified enough.
1: Absolutely. And what I notice is that the more you work with people, the more you start coaching them, the more you realize how much you actually know. For example, I've had some clients who had as a profile picture in Facebook a picture of a dog, and I do understand a dog is very cute, but it's yeah. not you. And also, they some of them had a picture of a baby. Again, it's not you. It could be the most beautiful baby you've, you know of your five children. It doesn't matter. Most important, it's, it's not you. So it, you do have to have certain things that you have to do for your brand. And unless you know it, you just cannot evolve. You cannot grow your brand. You cannot become more more well-known. And these are the sort of things that I've also you know, had a lot of doubt about. I thought I thought at some point, who am I to be talking about this? What do I really know about this? This is something that keeps coming up. But what's important is to know that there are thousands of people around the world that could benefit from what you know, as long as you have some subject matter knowledge. And I'm sure that you do because it would be impossible not to unless you lived under a rock.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we were talking before we recorded about uh, that I have actually written a book. And it's the first first sort of full form. I've written short books, ebooks, things like that before. But this is the first big book that I've written and completed. But I have at least five or six others that I have started and never finished. and And I think I may not be the only person who has that experience. And that was very frustrating. It was such a big achievement to me to actually get this book finished. It's still in editing now, but the actual whole writing part of it, it was challenging, but I really pushed myself to do it because I just wanted to get it out there. What do you think is the difference or what are the things that can really help somebody who maybe has had those start and stops with a book and really just wants to get a book written and completed?
1: So. What may happen, for example, in your case is that you are a creator. You are a creator. You love creating. You love starting projects. You are excited about the idea. And this is what your, your main strength is. I mean, you will have probably a lot of other strengths, but this is your main strength creating. It, it excites you. It makes you feel alive. Now the Completer finisher aspect is not something that's passionate, that you are passionate about. Therefore, you need to find someone else who is really good at the editing part, at the reading a thousand times the book part, and uh, ensuring to get it completed. And then you, as the author, you just have to accept it's not going to be 100% you. And this is the really difficult part, because when you do it yourself, you know that it's going to be perhaps 100% right. But you just have to agree that at some point, you have to give it to someone else to get it done, get it out. Because what happens the minute you publish it, you're going to realize, wow, I also can write about this. I also can write about this. I also can write about this. Whereas if you do not publish it, what happens is that every single day that goes by, you grow. You grow as a person. You get more ideas. You get a fresh perspective. And what happens at some point, your book is going to turn into a Bible or into a series of Bibles. It's going to be like a thousand... You know, a thousand pages and can you really publish a thousand pages book? No, not really. So it's a good idea to just publish it the way it is, because the more you leave it, the more you're going to feel like, oh, I have to add, I have to add, I have to add. And then it's just going to be on, people will not be able to digest it. And in fact, right now it's easier to publish shorter books because it's easier to get reviews. It's easier to have a book that's only a hundred pages, a very book. For people to read quickly, give you a review, and then you can rack up uh, a 1,000 reviews, and it's easier to do it like that than to have a book of 200 pages, and then the people will take a longer time to to review, and it will take you longer to to finish it. It's better for you to have 10 books of 100 pages, like books of even 10,000, 12,000 words. This is the trend right now. It's easier to become a bestseller in that category of short reads than it is to be in the main category so this is an important aspect
0: yeah that is actually super important and I I do see that as being one of the things I had a big challenge with I think the last book I tried before the one I've just completed it was a mammoth undertaking it was like I wanted to write this fully comprehensive book about influence and persuasion and it was just too big a task to take on and needed to be broken down and now I feel like having a book written and finished i can go back to that now and say "Oh, i can break this down into smaller books and make it a sequence of books that's going to make a lot more sense and i don't have to get too buried in the research i just need to make sure i have enough that i need to be able to cite stuff and talk about this it's just it just gets so much easier but yeah definitely it's uh, i think you can lose initial impetus i did find for me that tying myself down to doing some writing at the start of every day was the thing that helped me get it done like putting an hour in every day and just bit by bit it built up until the book was finished and some days i did a bit more than that some days a little bit less perhaps but it happened every single day and then i then it got to a, maybe a tipping point of writing where i just have to finish this now it's like oh this is so close I i can see the finish line here let's get it done and and that was for me how i got that done as a writer yourself are there any tips and tricks that you've used for yourself to uh, get your get your books finished.
1: Yes. The most important one is create the structure for the entire book first. If you don't do it like that, what happens? You're just going to ran, write randomly and the editing is going to be a nightmare. Really, you're going to want to kill yourself at some stage just trying to write your book. Whereas if you write the structure first, and I'm talking about the entire skeleton of the book. So let's say you're going to have 10 chapters and then each chapter is going to have 10 sub-points and then each one is going to have three sub-ideas. Then you already have, oh, this is how much I need to do. And then it's easy to just develop each one. And it's easy to just create flow. Whereas if you write about something and you have to move it to another section, oh my God, seriously, you <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. And this is what I did for my first book. But I did not do any structure. I just wrote whatever I remembered. And oh my God, I just couldn't handle it. But I did have the same uh, thing that you did, which was I set a certain target. So what I was doing, I was using transition time. So for example, despite the fact that I was working roughly 60 hours a week as a nanny, what I was doing is that as I was waiting for the bus, I would have two or three minutes. So any idea that popped into my head, I would write it in my notes. And then as I was on the bus for 10, 15 minutes, I would in my notes as well. And then I was waiting for the bus or the train back the same. So by the end of each day, I had about a thousand words. So in 30 days, I had 30,000, well, a lot more than 30,000 words because at the weekend, I would write a little bit more. So I had literally the entire book in a month, right? But then I had the editing, you know, all the moving around and that really took took forever. But if I had followed the structure of just creating the structure first and then write in the gaps, oh, that would have been, an absolute massive, massive time saver. Next, you can use virtual assistants. This is something I, I use and I have many, and they do help me with a lot of different aspects. So for example, like, I do know, correcting uh, the, the headlines. So putting them all in camel case, or I do know, aligning the text or small things like that, that are, you know, techy things, correcting yeah. the grammar, aligning to the left or to the right, or inserting the page, the pagination, the, the pages or inserting the quotes or creating the images. There's a lot of different things that I get them to do in advance, selecting the images from different stock sites and so on. So when you have, for example, a team of people doing that, you can have three or four people, you you just pay them separately so that the work gets done quickly. If you have a team of people working at the same time, you can get it done really quickly. And this is why, for example, when people work with me, that's why I can do it in 60 days. I can have the entire book published from the moment that we actually start the reason for that is because we have the team working at the same time okay one person is looking for the images another person is designing the cover another person is editing and so on so and also when you have another person writing the entire thing for you really it takes a lot less time if you have to do it then yeah you do have to be disciplined and set a target of okay i'm going to write a thousand words a day and use all of the possible transition time that you have And uh, make it fun. It has to be you. It cannot be another person writing and it has to be still you. But one important thing that I've noticed is, and this is the reason why I don't really prefer to work with authors that write their own book unless they already have my template. Because what happens is that there are certain elements you must have. For example, you must have the disclaimer in the beginning of the book, right? And then you must have ideally your LinkedIn and your social media details. You must have something like that is a lead generation for whatever it is that you want to upsell to. You must give them something for free or something that will get them on onto your database, you must provide some of the, the ways that you can be contacted in case people want to hire you for different conferences, or if they want to hire you for a different joint venture collaborations. Or if you have, for example, different businesses, you could have different for the particular businesses at the end of the book. You can also have them in uh, after each chapter if it's relevant for that particular chapter. Right. So there's a lot of different elements that must be there. And what happens is that if you write it in a normal way and you don't include these things, you're missing out. So this is why I prefer that the author's actually work around my template because that way they are not missing out uh, on making extra money or getting extra leads and things like that. Because if you write it and then you realize, oh, this is missing and then that's missing and you have to rewrite. Actually rewriting for me is harder than writing it in the first place. So it's just better to just write it and then get it all done and dusted. Um, and uh, the other thing is that a lot of people, I would say 99% of people don't know how to write their brand story. And they don't know how to write the about the author section. Now, why is this so important? It's because people need to know why they should read this book. Why are you so important? And uh, it's really easy for most people to uh, downplay what they have actually done and uh, to turn everything, all the elephant things they have done into a mosquito. It's really, really common. And what you need to do is exactly the opposite. Turn a mosquito into an elephant. So you need to really maximize what you do. So for example, let's say most people don't know how many people have they have coached over the last 10 years or five years or however many years they have been in business. They have no idea. They haven't thought about that. And because of that, they are downplaying what they're doing. Now, if you start counting and say, okay, this year I worked with a thousand clients, last year with 500 and so on, you kind of add them up. All of a sudden you have, oh, over the last, I don't know, I worked, with 10,000 clients and I achieved these results. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, people start to be impressed by that. But if you don't know how to write that, then you will miss out. And also like, for example, how many charity projects did you do? How many many times did you appear on TV? How many times did you appear on the radio or in different podcasts? How many podcasts did you run? How many downloads did you have for your podcast? How many, I don't know, successful clients did you have? What success rate did you have your clients? How many properties did you sell? How many um, deals did you have in total? How many sales did you have in total? You know, so there's all of these really important details that people do not mention because they don't mention they look smaller. And because you look smaller, nobody hires you, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I guess pe- people people think they're being modest, perhaps, or maybe they just don't have that realization of how many people they have actually helped or all these things that they have achieved or that other people would be impressed by those things because they're normal to you that's just your life that's your experience you've normalized it and so it doesn't seem that that spectacular but to people who haven't achieved those things it may just be but it is essential to establish that credibility factor because there is a whole thing people are asking themselves when they start reading a book or whether it's this Listening to your audiobook or your podcast or anything like that, why should I pay attention to you? Why should I listen to you? What's it? We talked about that expert thing. These are the things that at least give you credibility and set you up as having some level of expertise or a a level of a degree of success in particular areas that is going to make people at least think, all right, well, they've got success in this, they've done all these things. That's pretty impressive. I should probably pay attention to this person.
1: Yes. Uh, So, I in order to make sure that all the authors include all of these things, I have this template and I have a template for absolutely every single part of the book, which makes it really easy. The other thing that's really critical is to create a system inside your book. So for example, let's say you have your upcoming book and let's say you're gonna talk about influence. Now you're gonna have perhaps a five or 10 or 15 steps for people to reach influence. And in those steps, you're going to mention, for example, okay, there are these 10 steps and then these 10 steps have some other substeps, And then you create this, the graphics for that. That is your blueprint. And because of that, then you can start teaching that as a course, as a seminar, as different things. Now you could have exactly the same information, but if you don't systemize it as a system or a blueprint, what happens is that people forget. If you just tell them some ideas, they'll say, oh yeah, that was interesting. But if you tell them, oh, I'm the creator of the I don't know, fantastic influence system, or of course, you better give it a better name, then they will think, wow, this guy is the influence guy. You know, they may not remember even your name, but they will remember the system. And yeah. so that's another really critical part of it. And also the copywriting for all the different adverts and the leak magnets you're going to have inside the, that's really critical. And about the author, again, the multitude of things that you have done, put them all together, make them, add them up, total them all up so that people get a full picture of who you are. People cannot telepathically read who you are. You might think that you do. You might think that, oh, I'm good. People, I should be modest. I should be, uh, just show my face. And people will like, me. yeah, they will. But if they know, for example, you're the president of the United States, they will pay a lot more attention. If they know that you have done X, Y, and Z that interests them, they will pay a lot more attention. And the important thing is if you want to have influence, if you want to have if you want to persuade them, you have to have authority and yeah. you're going to get a lot of authority from all that mountain of things that you just think, oh, it's just a normal thing. It's just me. I just did that. I just did that. And you think it's not important. It's not important to you. It's important to them because they will respect you for all the, the thousands of things that you have done that you pay no importance to. It's important to them. They will see you as an authority they will uh, be influenced by that authority and they are going to be more likely to buy into your ideas or your courses or whatever it is you're going to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, authority is one of the seven weapons of influence in Robert Cialdini's book on influence and persuasion. It's a really important factor that gets underestimated, but it's easy to miss. And, and it's easy for people to think, oh, it's maybe assumed or something I have to earn as I go through teaching stuff. It's like, no, it's something you have to establish up front. And maybe sometimes you, you can get authority without it being necessarily earned just by seeming to have all the traits and attributes that people would want you to have for the place of authority that you're trying to get to. Whether they, are, whether they exist or not, they can be artificially created. But the thing is, it's like, You probably do have them, you probably do have what you need, but you have to put the emphasis on that and you have to make it clear to people that you have the authority to be talking about what you're talking about. And So it's super, super important stuff and really just so easy to miss. I know that you're not like an official publishing house, right? You're more of a publishing assistant, a publishing helper, yeah?
1: So I have my own business, which is a publishing business. Uh, It's a small business, but I focus mostly on a a handful of selected people that want to become luxury influencers, thought leaders, and uh, CEOs. And so people who are already CEOs or entrepreneurs of some sort, and they just want to grow their influence. They want to grow their authority. They want to be seen as luxury influencers so they can attract a lot more business. Now, through becoming a part of this uh, business that I have, and and they become part of my inner circle. And through that, I become a lifetime affiliate partner for their business. And I'll give you an example. published this guy's book that was published in May 2021. It was a book about blockchain. And uh, this author of mine is called Sunny. And uh, he created this business called MediLives that, that connects doctors with opportunities. And also is the Amazon of healthcare. So he provides a lot of health devices and health products. Now, because I have been marketing him and I have uh, referred him 45 people for his business since uh, his book got, got published and he became a bestseller and he sold 100,000 in the first month of his, uh, when the, in the month of the book launch in in healthcare products. Because of that, hired me to create and market and organize a medical conference with 400 doctors, right? So this is what happens when you are part of the inner circle. It's like we all benefit. We all grow our influence. So every single author, every single entrepreneur, we grow together. We share opportunities. I connect him with different people. And what happened is that one of the people that I referred him, uh, referred him to this commission that is a medical med- medical association that is. I think it's called the CMA, the Council of Medical Association of Alternative uh, Therapies or something like that. And then they managed to accredit all of his courses and now his courses and all of his products, and now his courses actually count towards CPG points, which is a very valuable thing in the UK because you need to do continuous professional development. And uh, I think that's a very valuable thing. And he hasn't even paid me for that, right? So it's a really cool thing to be able to get these sort of things that that grow, ha- help to grow his business. Because when your business and your courses and your products are accredited, imagine the credibility that you get.
0: Do, do you think, I and mean, that, that's amazing, a, 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 a terrific story. Uh, and I wonder whether you think it makes a big difference having your book published with a publishing house or self-publishing in, when it comes, to, is, is there a big credibility factor or, or, or benefit to being with a, a proper publisher rather than self publishing?
1: So I think there are pros and cons with each one. For example, for me, I prefer doing it the self publishing route. So basically, I'm a self publishing book coach. And the reason I prefer it like that is because my partner was previously uh, published with a hybrid kind of publisher. And what happened was that he still had to purchase 5000 books in order to basically have them distributed right so he had to order them and then have them in there in his garage and then distribute them right so it's a it's it's a re- relatively tedious process because let's say we had them in the garage and we had to move the garage to our house and then we moved house and we had to move all the books so imagine like a few pallets of books and uh, moving those and how difficult it was now, yeah. with a normal self-publishing process, what happens is first, you have full control over your book. What that means is that any time if you decide to take it down, if you decide to, I don't know, to take all the profits, if you decide to do whatever you want to do with your book, you have full control. That's the first thing. You own all the copyright for your book. That's the second thing you don't have to order 3,000, 5,000 books in one go, which is a big chunk of money. You can just order two books, five books, 10 books, 20 books, however many. You go to a conference, you speak there, you order um, 100 books that cost, you sell them there, and then you order some more. However, you manage your cash flow a lot better and you don't have to have hundreds of books in your garage. And also that helps for recycling as well, because you don't need to recycle something that, I mean, again, you don't know how many books you're going to sell. You could be that you're going to sell thousands of books. You could be that you're going to sell 20 books because you don't know. It's better to just manage the process in a way that you order only however many you need, depending on yeah. whether you're a you know, big time speaker or you're an occasional speaker or you did this book because uh, you want to keep it on your table, on your coffee table. That's one yeah. um, um, thing. Secondly, Amazon distributes the book for you if you would do it with a traditional publisher, they could still put your book on there. But for the most part, maybe you'll make just like one pound or something per book. If you have a traditional publisher, even if they include you in in the bookstores or whatever, really you're not gonna make that much money. And also, if you have a traditional publisher, they might object to you doing seminars. They might object to you doing uh, different things. Whereas when you're self-publishing, you can do whatever you want. And I think having control is really important.
0: I, no, I I agree. I I would much rather have control. I've I've gone down that route of publishing houses before, and um, having spoken to a, a published friend, she gave me some great advice on things. But one thing that's very clear is there's a lot of work to do. That like they they're going to ask you a lot of questions. There's a lot of things they want to know before, probably before you've even finished the book. Really, they don't. They like you say they don't necessarily want to work with someone on a book that's already done. Uh, because they want to be able to input and direct it. But also you have to submit a book plan and, and it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot that has to go into doing those book plans. You don't, well, it's probably a good thing to do even if you're self-publishing, I guess, but you don't obviously have to do that if you are self-publishing. But I have come across people who, I guess they think it's enough just to get their book on the market. Uh, And I suspect it probably isn't. That's not the end of the story. That You just put the book on Amazon and they do the rest, right?
1: No, that's the thing. Having a book is a bit like me giving you a Jaguar and you keeping it in your garage, right? The likelihood of it being seen by people is really small. Unless someone knocks at your door and says, oh, how's your Jaguar? (laughs) The likelihood of that happening is quite small. And then yeah. just randomly finding your book is again quite small. So you do need to be a marketing machine. And what I mean by that is appear on uh, Johnny Johnny's uh, podcast if he allows you to. If you qualify and apply to as many podcasts as possible. You need to do press releases to have your book appear in the press. Then speak to a many, uh, to a lot of people. And what happens with speaking? And this is what I love about being an author is that the minute you publish a book and especially. The minute you publish a book with my program, because I organize very large events, uh, small events, tiny events, and also very large events. And also I get invited to, to events with thousands of people. And I'm able to bring some of the authors and entrepreneurs and speakers there. What happens is that you instantly have a platform to speak to. So even if you have, even if I, sometimes I organize weekly events with 20 to 40 people in a luxury building where I live. And what happens is that yeah. As an author, you come there, your book is on the screen. I have this cinema where we, you know, showcase all of the books and your book is there. And if you're there, uh, typically we have a couple of minutes for you to share, even at a tiny event. So people see you, right? And then a lot of the people in the room are either property investors, property multimillionaire, people who have connections. And they'll be like, oh my God, John, Johnny, you are amazing. Why don't you come and speak on this other event? Or why don't you come and do this other thing? Why don't we do this collab- collaboration? Right. So it's the platform for, it's almost a platform for you to jump from to create connections worldwide. And this is what I love about publishing with me in particular. I'm not sure what, I don't think other publishers do that. They don't typically have this platform for me because I collaborate with my partner, we do this together and we give you a platform for you to connect with people worldwide.
0: That's important. And I know as a speaker myself, I know that many speakers will tell you, you will be able to charge more and you'll be in more demand when you have at least one book, if not more. That ultimately ups your credibility, it ups the trust factor with people when you've got a book out there. But getting those initial speaking opportunities, especially to talk about your book, is not so easy. So it, it's amazing to be like, oh, wow, well, you've already thought about that. And you've got this plan of action. And I'm like, oh, wow. That's actually really cool. And I haven't heard of that before. And I am super, super impressed. That sounds amazing. Um. I know that we don't have, we don't have all day here. I could happily talk to you all day because this is such an interesting thing to talk about, but I also know that people aren't probably going to listen to an episode if we do, if we record for the whole day either. So I, I do want to start wrapping things up with you, but there, there's so much more I could ask you and probably people who are tuning into this. are thinking there's so much more I want to know about this and, uh, and I wonder how they can find out more about you and what you do and your processes for helping people get their books out.
1: Thank you so much. You can find me either on lily.global. So uh, www.lily.global. Lily Lily is written actually just L-I-L-Y. Or you can find me at hello at lily.global. That's my email. And when you email me, you can get access to a 15 minutes or 30 minutes free consultation where you can discover which topic would... Be the best one for you to focus on for your next book. A lot of people have at least four books in them, and I can help you to at least get you into the right direction of which one is your best one. And if you've already started to give you that kick in the butt to get it uh rolling and open those massive opportunities that are available. A lot of the people that speak with me, even for 15 or 30 minutes, are absolutely astonished about the possibilities. For their book. So I yeah. highly encourage you to book a session at www.lily.global forward slash free. And I encourage all of you to go there. And otherwise, you can follow me on, on my, my Facebook, Lily Patrascu, or LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me with the same name on all social media platforms.
0: Right. Well, I will make sure that there are links for people to come and connect with you and to take you up on that amazing offer. I want to come and have a chat with you about my next book to see what I'm going to be writing about. I think that's an amazing, an amazing opportunity. And I'm looking forward to having that discussion with you myself. I, I wonder for yourself, I mean, your your work revolves around books. And I often will ask people for book recommendations. And I wonder for you, whether it's books you've been involved with or not, what are maybe one or two books that you would recommend people to check out and read? Maybe something that's had a big impact on you or maybe something that even relates to publishing your book yourself.
1: I absolutely adore one of the books that I have published for my authors and its name is One Life, One List, The Ultimate Organization System to Create a Freedom Lifestyle. And the reason I love it is because it's an absolutely extraordinary system for anyone who wants to get organized, especially if you're an expat or if you're currently working 40, 60, 80 hours a week and you want to reduce that to only working five or 10 per week. This is a great system because it has 20 systems and each one of those systems has a one system that can revolutionize your life. I'll give you an example. He has the backpack system, whereby every single pocket of your backpack has an assigned pocket for something in particular. For example, your passport, your toothbrush, your different things that you would need in order to have a half a day trip, a one day trip, and so on. You have a different backpack or the same backpack where you can sort it out so that it's for a full day uh, trip. Or for a two-day trip, you have a different way of organizing. But you have it pre-organized. And also, for example, you have your medical history in a little notebook. So that in case anything happens to you, you have it close to your heart somewhere. And people can see, okay, he's blood type, whatever. And he has this condition and these medicine. And all these these things, that once you sort them out, then you feel like you are more in control of your life. This is one book that I absolutely love. Another one that I have read a long time ago was Think and Grow Rich that I I really liked. And I think uh, mindset mindset is a big thing for achieving anything that you desire. And um, I think that the more you work on your mindset, the more you can get a lot more of what you desire.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thinking, I I, I like the sound of the first book and certainly I aspire to be more organized and systematic all the time. So it sounds, sounds like it could be something that really helps me. Think and Grow Rich is one of those books that I try to revisit every single year and take something new away from it. Every time that I tune into it as well. And you're right, the mindset stuff is so absolutely valuable. It's it's been a a real pleasure speaking to you. And I hope that this conversation has at least inspired somebody to start thinking about writing their first book or maybe their next book. And if not, um, maybe they're already on the, on that process already in that path to writing a book and, uh, and would like some help along the way. I hope that this gives some encouragement and some ideas. You certainly shared some stuff about what to make sure you do and what to make sure you don't do. That was just so useful, some real gems. If there was one thing above everything else that we've talked about today, that you hope people remember from this conversation, what do you hope that would be?
1: I would say that it's your time now to write and publish a book that transforms the world so you can expand your influence so that you can persuade a lot more people to join your tribe to achieve your calling and to achieve your mission. And it's your time now to do it.
0: Lily, it's been an absolute delight chatting to you. I've learned so much and I certainly am looking forward to finding out more uh, from you as well. Thank you for coming and being a guest on Speaking Influence.
1: Thank you so much, Johnny. And I look forward to hearing all of your podcasts.
0: Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed the show. And if you have, then I hope you also found something that you can put into action, whether that's getting in touch with Lily or getting started on your book or maybe finishing off that book that you started writing and haven't quite finished yet and taking it down that self-publishing avenue i also hope that you are subscribed to the show especially as we are going to be relaunching very soon we're still going to be highly focused on influence and persuasion and building your professional authority and your communication skills but we are going to also be having a much deeper focus on doing all of that through the world of professional podcasting so from the first of july the show is going to be known as podfluence This is also going to be tying in with a new program that's coming up as well as my book that will be coming out soon as well. I hope you'll stick with us for that and some of the amazing guests we've already been recording shows with. And if you'd like to get in touch, if you have guest suggestions or maybe you're someone who would like to be on the show as a guest, then please do contact me. You can either visit presentinfluence.com and you can actually apply to be a guest on the website. Or you can get in touch with me on any of my social media platforms. I'd be more than happy to hear from you. Get in touch anyway. And please do come and join our free Facebook group, Podfluencers, where we are daily helping each other to build our influence and persuasion through being podcast guests, podcast hosts, and podcast marketers. See you there. Have an amazing week. Go and make great things happen.